Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KYW Original Podcasts. For the first time since 2015, the Eagles start the season 0-2. They fell to the Los Angeles Rams 37-19 at Lincoln Financial Field. I got Ray Dininger on the line to help break it down. Uh, Ray, on Friday, you said that this is a must-win, but with a lowercase m. So I ask you, the morning after what happened yesterday, what's your panic level with this Eagles team now? Oh, Dave, I never panic. You know that. <laughs> uh, panic panic is probably too strong a word. Um, but um, but concern with a capital C, yeah, <laughs> I might I might I, I might phrase it that way because. Um, there really is very little right now that you can point to and say, uh, this, uh, this offers me some hope. Right now, it does, doesn't exist. You don't see it on the offense. Uh, and yesterday, you certainly don't see it on the defense. Uh, and I, I still believe, see, coming off the Washington game, it was easy to say, and I said it like everybody else, well, the Eagles, they're better than, they're, they're better than that. I mean, that, that performance blowing a 17-point lead against a, what I still believe is a bad team in Washington. I know they're better than that. Uh, and that was kind of why I picked them to win this game here. Um, I just expected them to bounce back. Now, after seeing what we saw against the Rams, I'm not sure they are better than that. I mean, you, you mentioned that they're 0-2 for the first time in a long time to start the season with two losses. Well, try and find the last time they started the season with two losses by double digits. You know, two losses where you didn't just lose, but you got handled. And that's what you're facing. It isn't like they got nipped you know, on, a, on a 50-yard field goal at the gun. Uh, I mean, they got run off the field in the second half in Washington and then pretty much for 60 minutes yesterday. So concerned with a capital C? Yeah, that's where we find ourselves. How much do you think would happen in the second half against Washington carried over into yesterday? And in other words, if the Eagles blow out the Washington football team like they were on path to over a week ago, is yesterday a different result? Um, no, probably not. Uh, just not the way you saw the way you saw this game play out. No, I don't think so. Um, the Rams came into this game really well prepared. Um, they and I give a, an awful lot of credit to Sean McVay, the head coach, um, because they came in here and, and they they knew exactly what they wanted to do against the Eagles offensively. They had the Eagles totally figured out uh, and. They didn't change anything. It isn't like they rewrote their playbook and came up with new stuff. I mean, this is what the Rams are. I mean, they're a team of, of run the ball, play action, misdirection, 
uh, crossing routes, uh, but everything is is so well designed and everything is so well, for the lack of a better term, orchestrated, that it all just flows together. I mean, they, they use all their backs, they use all their receivers, um, and it, it's it on a on a day when they've got it clicking, they're they're almost seamless, uh, and it makes a quarterback like Jared Goff look really really good. I mean, you know, Goff you look at his numbers yesterday, and then listen, they were they were impressive. I mean, he's completed his first thirteen passes, finished the day with a one forty two passer rating. Uh, he can't play a whole lot better than that. But how many tough throws did he have to make? Almost none. I mean, that I mean that was as easy. 142 passing games you're ever going to find. I mean, that was almost like seven-on-seven drills on Wednesday afternoon on the practice field. I mean, he had guys wide open, and look, to his credit, he hit them. And that's more than I can say for the Eagles quarterback because he he had trouble hitting anybody in any situation yesterday. So if you had to divvy up blame for yesterday, how much falls on the defense, Carson, and Doug? Um, Well, the offense was certainly... um, that the passing game was not good at all. I mean, the one the one thing you can point to, and, and when we had to do our report cards at the end of the post game show, uh, I gave my highest grade to the offensive line. Which I mean, it seems it, I mean it's, it seems sort of crazy when you're talking about the game they came off of in Washington, where they allowed eight sacks. But uh, yeah, I gave the offensive line a B plus. I thought the offensive line was really good, and that's you know that's probably one of the most um, I hesitate to use the word alarming, but I'll use it anyway. Uh, one of the most alarming aspects of yesterday's game was the offensive line. In the Washington game, I mean, Wentz was under such siege in that game, getting chased and getting hit and the eight sacks and all, that uh, some of the problems he had throwing the ball and getting things done, it was kind of understandable. The whole offense collapsed around him. You couldn't really say that yesterday. I mean, the offensive line did a good job. I mean, the Eagles were able to run the ball. I mean, Miles Sanders rushed for almost 100 yards. They averaged almost five yards per carry. Uh, Wentz wasn't sacked once, and he was rarely hit. So everything was in place around him, unlike the week before. He just couldn't hit his target. So that was a big concern, uh, and remains so now. But I, you know, I, I, you can't ignore the defense. The whole conversation in the city after the game yesterday on our show, and we'll continue all week, it's going to be the quarterback, the quarterback, the quarterback. But, I, you know, I tried at one point in our show to say, hey, listen, let's take a look at the defense here. I mean, look how, look how totally they got shredded in this game. Uh, and when you look at the amount of money that they've invested in that defensive line uh, and the number of high draft picks and blue-chip players that they brought in for that defensive line, I mean, they just got – I mean, they didn't even show up yesterday. I mean, the Rams did pretty much everything they wanted to do with them. They didn't get any kind of pass rush. The, the Rams ran for almost 200 yards. Um, that, to me, was um, that to me was one of the, the things you take away from that game. And everybody's going to focus on the offense, and I understand that. And the quarterback has to play better, and that's obvious to everybody. But if the defense, and particularly the defensive line, doesn't play better than they played yesterday, then it's almost not going to matter. Because in yesterday's game, they were just basically non-competitive. I'll get back to Carson, but to stick on the defense real quick, and and you mentioned a defensive line, but Ray, the the linebackers, it seems like this team, this organization, has really undervalued that position for a long time, and it showed, I feel like it showed yesterday. What's what's your assessment of that? True, but it's not the first time we've said it. Um, I've, and and it's, it's an organizational sort of approach that they... 
Uh, and I think it reflects the defensive coordinator. I think Jim Schwartz, this is the way he sees his, his look, everybody would love to have 11 all pros out there. I mean, you would, but, but the, the, with the nature of the league, the salary cap doesn't allow you to do that. So Schwartz has prioritized the defensive line and the secondary. Uh, you win battles in the trenches up front. Those guys stop the run and they get pressure on the quarterback. And then you have the secondary, the guys on the back end that, give, that take away the big plays and lock down the top receiver. And then whatever you have in the middle, you just kind of have in the middle. And if the guys up front and the guys in the back that you're paying the big money to, if they're as good as they're supposed to be, then you can get away with kind of journeyman average players in the middle. That's Schwartz's philosophy. And he's not alone in feeling that. You look around the NFL today, a lot of teams are kind of constructed that way. But, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it. I, I, you know, I do see guys that are linebackers in this league that are difference-making players. Um, they just haven't, the Eagles just haven't chosen to pursue that. I mean, one of the years, the year that they won the Super Bowl, they got pretty good play out of Nigel Bradham. I mean, it's, he wasn't like a superstar free agent that they signed. They didn't spend a lot of money on him. But he came in and he played pretty well, and he helped that team that year. Um, but now, I mean, you have a bunch of guys out there. I mean, Nate Jerry, I think you... I've I've always thought that he's just kind of a a glorified special teams player. I, I you know he does you know in the in the game in Washington statistically I mean he led the team in tackles but they weren't any they weren't the kind of tackles that decide games they were they were tackles eight nine yards down the field for the most part. Uh, but yesterday it was out there for all to see. I mean Sean McVay in studying the Eagles defense. He's a smart coach, and and he knew that you can really make plays attacking that linebacker core, uh, and he and he did with his tight ends and the misdirection runs. I mean, he he exposed the Eagles linebackers for as the inadequacies that they are, uh, and Jerry was beaten on a couple of plays where it was just out there wide open, and everybody saw it. Um, and is that going to change the way the Eagles play defense? Is that going to change the way Jim Schwartz builds his defense? Probably not, just on the basis of one game. But what it did was I think it laid out there for all to see that this is an area where this team is really vulnerable and teams that have smart coaches and have good playmakers at those positions can exploit that weakness pretty much any time they want to. Sticking with Jim Schwartz, considering how underwhelming the defensive line was yesterday, what would you have liked to have seen Jim Schwartz do differently from a defensive scheme standpoint? Well, I, I don't. In terms of just the X's and O's part of it, what you could have done differently, I, I guess the one thing is you just make guys more accountable up front. I mean, make guys uh, play their gaps, make guys play their responsibilities. A, a lot of a lot of what happened yesterday was uh, due to a lack of discipline up front. There were guys just out of their gaps, guys out of position, an awful lot. And you know that's on them. They should know better. But the coaches can't allow that to happen over and over again. Um, it happened specifically really on the, on the edges of the defense, the defensive ends, uh, Brandon Graham and Josh sweat, uh, were out of position a lot. And the Rams, again, I'm going to say Sean McVay again, they kind of counted on that. They know the Eagles ends tend to over pursue. They tend to be over aggressive chasing plays down the line of scrimmage. And that's why they came in, and right from the beginning of the game, they uh, ran a whole lot of uh, end-around plays, reverse plays, where they would start one way and then they would pitch to a receiver coming running a jet sweep back to the other side because they pretty much were counting on the Eagles' defensive ends to be way out of position. You can't do that. I mean, you have to, the defensive end, your first responsibility is to contain your side. You can't leave the back door open. And 
the Eagles defensive ends have a bad habit of doing that. Some teams don't really exploit it the way they should. Rams did. Uh, and you saw that yesterday. I mean, they ran six of those plays yesterday, including a walk-in touchdown for Robert Woods. And, you know, they, uh, the Eagles were getting blocked pretty well up front. The Eagles' defensive tackles, who really should have won the matchup, the Rams' interior line, their centers and their guards, are just average players. They aren't all pros by any means. Uh, but they were getting blocked inside, which shouldn't happen. But one of the problems that I, I saw, and this is a coaching thing as much as anything, is the defensive ends really were losing their responsibilities, and the Rams were exploiting that pretty much all day. So then how much did Sean McVay outcoach Doug Peterson, and I guess by an extension to what you were just mentioning, Jim Schwartz as well? Thoroughly. Thoroughly. And I'm... Um, you know, and there's, I'm not surprised. I think he's a, I think he's a really smart, I think he's a really smart young coach uh, who knows, who knows how to uh, draw up and design an offense. And one of the things that he does is he, everything, and especially on a day like this, when they really have it, when they really have it rolling, um, they incorporate every part of the offense. They, all the backs get in the game and all the backs get the ball. Uh, the balls in the passing game, he's, every single play is to a different receiver, and then they come back and they work the cycle all over again. Um, everything is, everybody's totally in the game, and everybody's utilized. They come in with different formations. There's, there's nothing stand around or static about their offense. Even the straight up, even the straight up running plays, even when they're going to just run a dive play between the tackles, there's always some kind of motion coming across the backfield. There's always a guy from the slot or there's another receiver or there's somebody coming in motion across the formation. Uh, and so it, it poses the threat of, okay, hey, maybe this is another end around. Okay, maybe this is another sweep. Uh, maybe there's going to be a rollout kind of thing here. And it gives the defense something to think about. It turns out to be nothing more than a straight handoff off guard. But there's that motion before the play or there's the threat of the rollout that sort of opens up a space there, gives the defense something else to key on that makes a very simple play look very profound. Uh, and and McVeigh will, will use this to his advantage all the time. He's always got the quarterback. A lot of times he's got him on the move. A lot of the stuff he does is outside the pocket. An awful lot of the stuff is off play action, which they run very effectively. And that's what opens up the receivers down the field. You know, when you watch the Eagles offense right now, a big part of the problem is, is Wentz's lack of accuracy throwing the ball. I mean, he's just all over the place with the ball. And it's, it's hard to win when your quarterback isn't throwing the ball accurately, and right now Wentz is not. But another part of the problem is if you compare, if you put them side by side, the Eagles offense against the Rams offense, the Rams offense, as I said, everybody's involved, and the ball moves all over the place, and everybody's got a piece of it, and it's different guys on all the plays. With the Eagles, everything just seems kind of compartmentalized. You know, they'll, they'll go through a stretch where they just hand it to Sanders, hand it to Sanders, hand it to Sanders, hand it to Sanders. Then you go in the passing game, there's a whole stretcher. You didn't even know Deshaun Jackson was in the stadium, you know, and if for the first half of that game. Then they come out the second half, and all of a sudden Deshaun Jackson is getting the ball on every single play, every single pass play to Deshaun Jackson. There seems to be this, it's not a fully integrated offense. They go through stretches where it's this guy, and then it goes to this guy, and then you go back to another guy. Um, and whereas with the Rams, you just saw the whole team just seemed to be in the game and in the flow right from the first snap to the last. And from a defensive standpoint, that's a lot tougher to deal with. You mentioned your concern about Wentz, and this may be a silly question, but is there any point in the near future, and I mean near, I mean in the coming weeks, that you potentially think about 
if he did, remains inaccurate and just ineffective, potentially thinking about putting Jalen Hurts in there to see him get some action? I would not. And I know that conversation is unavoidable. I'm sure that conversation has already begun. <laughs> but no, no, uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, I don't think I don't think Hurts at this point as a rookie with very little tra- very little training camp and no and absolutely no preseason could possibly be ready to step in and be the quarterback. He just can't. It would be unfair to him, uh, and uh, I, I just don't see that it would make the situation better. Um, the other part of it is kind of the message you're sending to the fan base to one degree, but lar- so in a larger sense to the whole organization. Um, if, if you if you walk away from Carson Wentz at this point, it's going to be very hard to go back. Um, I think that if this team is going to turn the season around and salvage the season, uh, you, you have to start with the guy who's been your quarterback to this point. You just have to get him playing better. Uh, if, if you make the, if you make the move to a rookie quarterback right now, then you're just opening the door to utter chaos. You know, you just have to, they just, the coaching staff, and this starts with the head coach. I mean, he's the quarterback. He's the offensive coordinator. Uh, he's got to get Carson Wentz playing better. And I, you know, I, I saw Wentz's post-game press conference where he keeps saying, he keeps repeating over and over again that we're just, we're just inches away. We're, we're really close. We're really, and that's, you know, you, you can't, you can't say that. You can't think that. I just, you know, that's, that's what high school coaches say. This is pro football, you know, and, you know, Bill Parcells used to have an expression. He said, there's no medals for trying in the NFL. And that's the truth. You either win or you lose. And if you lost, you weren't good enough. It's just as simple as that. And now you just have to find a way to get better. And that starts with the quarterback. I haven't, I haven't given up on Carson Wentz. Um, and I think if you sent the message, if you made the switch to Hertz now, you'd be sending the message that they've given up on, on their franchise quarterback. And that's a, that's a real scary place to be. Well, Ray, if this past week was a lowercase M for must win, I'm guessing that with the Bengals coming to town, they're also 0-2, that this week it's, a, it's every, every letter in that must win phrase is in a capital, is a capital letter. Am I, am I correct on that? Uh, it's all in capital letters and it's italicized. Yes, it's it's it, it's all of it's all of those things. Yeah, it is um, because for the same reasons we were talking about on Friday. If you look at the games beyond that, then you have at San Francisco. Then you have to go to Pittsburgh, uh, and then you play Baltimore here. But not that that's any advantage. I mean, those teams, even though the Forty ers have a ton of injuries right now, the Forty ers are a better team. Uh, and Pittsburgh's playing very well. Roethlisberger's playing really well, and their defense is a handful. And the Ravens are the Ravens. So yeah, I mean you got to win this game to get your season back on track. Uh, and even then, even if you win that game, you know those next three games, the Eagles are going to be underdogs in all of them. So I mean, I'd much rather go into that stretch one and two than zero and three. So um, I mean, yeah, week three. I mean, you're looking at this at the Bengals game as. This is a this is a savior season kind of game, and you got a team coming in that's not real good, and they got a rookie quarterback. But the problem is the rookie quarterback is playing very well, so uh, and the Eagles right now aren't playing very well in any phase of the game. So um, they have to find some way to get this thing turned around, and they just don't have a whole heck of a lot of time to do that. Must win in italicized letters. All right, I I will write that down. Ray, thanks for the time. I look forward to Friday when we preview Eagles Bengals. Have a wonderful week. All right, David, you too. Take care. Bye-bye. Hall of Famer Ray Dininger of 94 WIP. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.